WGNS Murfreesboro, W270AF Murfreesboro, W263AI Murfreesboro, Smyrna. The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Right now that time, 819, you're tuned to WGNS again on this Monday morning. Today is the 14th of March and uh, sunny out there, feels great this morning. Temperature out there, well, going to be high of 64. Right now it's closer to around 41 degrees, but should be a nice day today and nice day tomorrow as well. With us in studio this morning, we have J.C. Bowman. He is the Executive Director of the Professional Educators of Tennessee. J.C., how are you this morning? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Scott. Definitely. And you have been the Executive Director there for quite a few years now, right? <laughs> yeah, 11. And so, you know, I was a founding member back in, I guess, in the early 90s. So uh, late 80s, early 90s. And so I've been there and... Uh, forever and and i came about 11 years ago to be executive director and i've I've stayed so so what led you to that i mean were you in the education field before i was a classroom teacher and i uh ended up becoming in a policy uh, entering the policy arena i can write real well so that was always my gift so i started writing legislation i'd see something that needed to be changed in the classroom and I got a lot of attention that. And I mean, I started working with Governor Sunquist back in the day, drafting some legislation for him. And then uh, subsequently, I ended up going to work in Florida for Governor Bush. So I was Governor Bush's chief policy analyst. And uh, I wanted to get home. So I came back home to Cleveland, Tennessee, and where, I, where, I, where I'm from. And, and uh, ultimately, uh, the Board of Professional Educators of Tennessee asked me if I would be interested in becoming executive director. And... Uh, uh, I thought, well, it'd be a nice thing to do for a couple of years, and yeah. uh, and you know, it was a decade ago. So I've been still still here, and I don't have any plans to go anywhere else. So. It sounds like something that you really enjoy and have a passion for, for sure. Well, you know, and it's working with legislators almost every day and working with teachers. It's a combination of taking what teachers are saying, and uh, it, it's a language. I tell people sometimes it's like French or Spanish. It's It's taking what teachers are saying. We have our own language in education and taking what they're saying and conveying it to legislators so that they can understand it. And then hopefully educators then um, get a voice at the legislature and legislators will listen. So I've discovered, I mean, honestly, because we've gone nonpartisan, we truly stay out of the political realm, the R and the D, the blue and the red. And we stay right there in the middle and, and meet with legislators on both sides of the aisle and try to convey to them you know, we've passed numerous pieces of legislation unanimously. Dyslexia, uh, you know, there's been uh, several other pieces, Teacher Bill of Rights. Uh, we've passed quite a few pieces of legislation that's passed unanimous. And uh, in this day and age where everything's confrontational and divisive, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. So to work with everybody. And that's, that's our goal is to work with everybody to get teacher voices heard in the legislature. How have you seen students change over the years and their parents how have you seen changes involving students and parents over the last you know 11 12 plus years yeah i mean it used to be like student discipline was a uh, a small task it was somebody being off off assignment or somebody being you know not listening being unprepared for class 
Uh, today, it's anything. I mean, it's it's complete. There's a lot of disrespect. There's a lot of uh, talking back. There's uh, one of the things that we're really dealing with in this General Assembly right now is teacher assaults. So teachers have been getting assaulted in a large number of uh, cases, and it's it's expanding, and it's underreported. So people don't report that a lot, but teachers are getting hit and uh, spit on and uh, various other things. We've had sexual assaults this year where teachers wow. were sexually assaulted. And, uh, and because of FERPA, which is a good law, uh, protects student privacy, what ends up happening is that uh, a lot of this information doesn't become public. It, it almost needs to become public, of course, without the name of the victim involved. Uh, but man, that, that's something you, you don't hear about in the news. So that, that's something that does need to become more clear, I think. I mean, in the last nine weeks, we brought this uh, to legislators, legislators' attention. Uh, Jay Reedy, William Lambert, Scott Sapicki have really been championing a piece of legislation up there where we would add, add teachers to the assault bill. Mark Pody in the Senate is carrying this bill this week. Uh, but we had it, it stemmed for me. There's three major cases, but we had we had one, we had two teachers at one district uh, surrounds uh, Davidson County. It's not in Rutherford, but uh, literally had their heads beat into a concrete floor. Two teachers by one student, and uh, at they the both, same time. This yeah, I mean the student attacked one teacher and then turned around and attacked another, and uh, both teachers suffered concussions. And uh, one had torn ligaments in her neck and also in her shoulder. And, uh, again, there's not much you can do. I mean, the students, you know, are back. And and one case, we actually uh, passed the Student Discipline Act last year with uh, Representative Sapicki. Uh, Representative Mike Sparks from here in uh, Rutherford was one of the co-sponsors of the bill. But what ended up happening was the— uh, that stemmed one of the guys in testimony he uh, had his jaw broken and um, in testimony told the story that nobody had ever heard and uh, and then they tried to set him on fire by the time the guy got out of the hospital the kid was back in classroom so that's really driven a lot of the impetus well you know if you can't have discipline in the classroom uh, you can't you can't teach any child and so it's really depriving the tw- you know one student could disrupt the education of 28 others and that that's really scary though to hear about that and to imagine being a teacher in this day and age you know i'm i'm sure some do fear what's going to unfold in the classroom today you know and uh, you know coming in tomorrow what's going to happen next yeah exactly and and so people forget one thing about education 83% of teachers in tennessee we have one of the highest rates in the nation are female teachers and so you know you're talking about 100 pound women sometimes confronting six foot two uh sixth graders uh and so it's uh i mean the kids are bigger than the the teachers in in many cases so it's been a very difficult uh road for these teachers and and so what has subsequently happened this year scott the 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 department of education and i have had a running uh dispute on numbers but we but nobody disagrees is there's in the next three years or by 2024 11,000 teachers basically will be able to leave teaching and and my guess is they're telling us more than likely they are going to leave teaching and uh, right now in this in, in t- across Tennessee there's about 2,000 classrooms that are empty uh, we, they're filled with substitute teachers and uh, and other people so it is it's a big deal Again, J.C. Bowman with us this morning, Executive Director of the Professional Educators of Tennessee. So 
of those numbers of teachers leaving, I'm sure some tied to COVID, some tied to, you know, just that fear of violence. Uh, I, I mean, there's got to be a, a huge list of reasons because education is much different today, especially in the shadow of COVID-19. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and you know, COVID did not help public education because you would go online virtually. You would be back in the classroom. It was a lot of pushing and shoving. People would have to do uh, in-person teaching as well as doing online. And there really wasn't – I mean, we didn't have time to prepare for it. And, and I, I give credit to people. We did the best we could. I mean, I don't think there's any blame that can go around. People really struggled to do what they could do and how they could do it. Uh, there was no right or wrong answer. We tried to do the best. But, I mean, in essence, we've, we've lost some time in education. I'm going to take a, a short break, and we're going to check on that weather forecast. But when we come back, I would invite folks to text us any questions they have, and uh, we'll take a few calls as well. Phone number 615 615- Again, 615-893-1450. If you have questions regarding the education system in Tennessee, maybe some ideas, text us or call us. 615-893-1450. And again, our guest this morning, J.C. Bowman, Executive Director of the Professional Educators of Tennessee. And as we go to this break, again, how many members do you have? Rough estimate. Yeah, eight thousand over eight thousand this year in Tennessee, and so we're we're running around three hundred or so in in Rutherford County. A lot of teachers are members of nothing, and we really encourage them to join an association. So we we hope we're the association they choose. Well, we'll talk more about that and also school discipline, which is what we kind of uh, kicked off the show with. We'll talk more about that as well in just a second. Six one five eight nine three one four five zero. A check on that forecast comes your way next. has become mostly sunny this afternoon high in the mid 60s south winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour tonight partly cloudy alone near 39 i'm meteorologist jennifer fuchitsky on news radio wgns currently it's 35 as cold and flu season approaches one of the best things that you can do to give somebody who is sick is a quart of demas's chicken and rice soup This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. This soup is my grandmother's recipe, and we have used this soup in order to help our family whenever we are sick. Just gives us a good comfort feeling. One of the things that you can also do is you can now ship that soup anywhere across the United States, and you can order that soup online at demasfamilykitchen.com. This is Jason with Tire World. Our annual at-cost tire sale is here. Now through Saturday, Tire World will sell all tire brands with no markup, 20% off installation, and give up to $100 on select manufacturer rebates. So, quick recap, no markup on tires, installation discounted, and money back on brands like Michelin, Continental, and more. This sale only happens twice a year, so don't miss out and call us today. Tire World, we keep your family rolling. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Again, the time right now, 8.30. You're tuned to WGNS on this Monday morning. I, I couldn't talk, right? It's Monday, you know. 
J.C. Bowman with us this morning, Executive Director of the Professional Educators of Tennessee. That's right, the time change over the weekend, that's throwing everybody off. (laughs) So back to the whole issue of student discipline, because like you were saying, that is a major disruption in classrooms, it's a major problem for teachers for sure. What are some ideas to better cope with this problem of of students just getting out of hand in general? Yeah, I mean, I think you almost have to go back to the way it was a little bit. And I think part of that deals with uh, actually removing some students when they are completely disruptive. I mean, not, you know, people forget that public education is is a privilege. It is also a right. I mean, I understand the, the argument that, you know, that public schools, we are here to serve the public. Uh, but at some point, you lose that right when you completely disrupt the education system and when you make it to where the other students cannot learn. You know, bullying, we've dealt with that. You've seen that off and on for the last uh, 10, 15 years. Uh, but but there's, a, there's a type of bullying, and, I mean, I, you see it. Parent, what ends up happening is that administrators uh, get caught in the game between the teachers and uh, the parents. And they don't want to stand up to parents sometimes. And I think that with that, um, you know, there's got to be some pushback to parents. I mean, parents being accountable. We say this all the time. I, you know, it used to be, Scott, if I got in trouble at school, my dad was down there. I mean, you know, and it was not pleasant for me. Uh, today, if a kid gets in trouble, a uh, parent shows up at school, it's not pleasant for the administrator or the teacher. And something's got to change back to that. And I call it parent engagement rather than parent involvement. Uh, parent involvement is when you take your child to school. Parent engagement is when you're actually engaged in what's, what the child is learning. What, you know, it's, it's like people walk, wake, woke up one morning and said, I don't know, can't believe my kid's learning this in school or, or whatever. And I'm like, where have you been? I mean, you know, the whole, the whole aspect of being involved in your child's education isn't just sending them to school. At some point, you have to be engaged in it, working with them to learn, to be successful, and to do that. So I think parent engagement is the key to the whole issue of, of discipline. I think most kids want to do the right thing. I think most parents are supportive of public schools. I mean, over 90, 91%, 89%, I think is the number in Tennessee, 89.5%, 90%, whatever the number is, kids are a product of public schools. And so they're going to be in public schools. So if you're going to send your kid to public school, you should get involved in it. Definitely. Here in Rutherford County, and a lot of folks don't know this because it's not something that is reported, but there have been several suicides over the last, let's say, 10 years involving children who are students at local schools. And the reason for those suicides is believed to be bullying that eventually led to that child actually killing themselves. But that has happened at least three times in Rutherford County over the past 10 years, probably more, because we don't know exact statistics. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And one of the things that happens is we forget sometimes permanence. We create a, and and I've had a uh, close friend that took his life, and it really caught us uh, off guard. I actually spoke at the funeral. And, and for that, you know, you never know what people are going through. That's why we've been big advocates. And, and to his credit, uh, 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 Mike Sparks, Charlie Baum, uh, 
some of the uh, Tim Rudd, some of the legislators here in this have, have actually led the charge for the mental health aspect of uh, of bringing more. I mean, this this last year to uh, Governor Lee put two hundred fifty million dollars into a mental health trust fund to help address some of those issues. Uh, we've asked and advocated for, and including in this year's budget, as more money for guidance counselors. What ends up happening? Guidance counselors end up becoming schedulers. They're wor- they're spent more. They spend more time on helping a kid get to college rather than actually talking to children. And, and you know, if you see something, say something. That's an old saying. But you've got to be there. And, and, and part of the addressing is teachers cannot do it all. But it's going to be student on student bringing it to the attention of telling them to quit picking on other people. We had another case here in Rutherford County, and, and I know of it because I spoke to the parent in, involved in this incident. But there was bullying going on where one student from one high school was bullying another student from another high school and it was all over the internet uh, you know snapchat TikTok, through things like that different social media outlets and the parent went directly to the school where that bully was said to be confronted the principal about it said we got to do something about this the principal turned around and said oh yeah yeah we we found out about that back in Uh, It was like three months prior before the parent even knew what was going on. And I just thought to myself, well, if the school knew about it three months ago, why in the world didn't you contact the parent so the parent could at least talk to their child about what was going on? And it turns out that child, the student, was actually trying to correct the problem on their own. They called the school principal where it was taking place and said, this is what's happening. Could you please put a stop to it? A month went by, no stop to it. The child then reached out to the parent of the bully after finding the parent's name online. And the bully's mom basically said, oh, I'm sorry, please pray for my son. And that was that and left at it. And it took a parent actually going to the school where the bully was to say something about it. But then in the end, this is the other problem, I think, within school systems the school was not able to tell the parent of the victim what discipline actually took place. And that that gets on my nerves. That bothers me. Yeah, that's that FERPA law that we were talking about, student privacy, that you can't tell a, a parent what's happened to the other child. And so, you know, I, that's part, that's an issue. You know, when, you're, when they're under the age of 18, they have certain protections. Uh, so that it doesn't get out in the community or whatever. But there's, there has to be some way to address that. And uh, particularly, like, social media is a huge problem. That's one of the issues we're facing with teachers. Back to the assault thing, I mean, uh, parents are going online and bad-mouthing teachers. Uh, we're seeing that, on, uh, you know, un- unjustly. I mean, we've had one, t- one parent in one community that literally drove a teacher of the year out of the classroom because of uh, continual harassment. I mean, it's gone so wow. far. She, she goes after the, uh, the, the husband of the teacher's business. And Knoxville was a good example. A uh, very prominent businessman uh, was targeted by a parent of a child because of his, teacher, because of his wife, who's a teacher's actions. Uh, you know, at that point, you have to involve legal. And you've got to call the police. You've got to do a cease and desist. You've got to involve an attorney. And uh, I hate to hate to say that because sometimes attorneys are not the uh, uh, favored word of the day. But you've, we've, we're going to have to step up the knot. I mean, to, yeah. to stop to protect people. And you hate to see that. Of course, the average person doesn't have the money to, to call an attorney to, 
you know, fight a situation. Um, but man, it, when there is a student involved in an action against another student that harms that other student in some way, it seems like it should be the right of that other parent to know who's harming their child. Because if this were outside of the school and a juvenile attacked another juvenile, you would know who did it and there would be a court process. So it just seems like it should be the right of that other parent to know what's going on about their own child. Absolutely. And so we're, we're seeing that on an escalated scale. And what that has led to, Scott, back to the full circle, is that teachers are saying, you know what, I'm not feeling supported by my administration, and, and therefore I'm going to leave the field because I can make more money in another field teaching. And uh, they're doing that. They're taking that option and leaving. And, and I mean, right now, there's a surplus of jobs. I have a friend in the insurance in- industry that said, for every teacher who wants to leave, JC, let me know. He said, I've got a job for him. You know, I, I hate to say this, but for some teachers in some schools, I don't blame them. I, I mean, if you're not supported by your administration, and I could see where it would make a teacher feel really bad if a parent came to them and said, this is what has been happening. What can you do about it? And then they can't even turn around and say, well, here's what we did do about it. Right. They can't, they can't release information that would help comfort another parent yeah there there has to be some way and one of the things we had advocated for earlier is that we had uh, advocated that when the child is disrupted in a classroom that those parents be notified when there's a disruption in the classroom that's probably what we're and and no traction on that legislation here's a text it says bullying is bad and of course we know that uh, parents are limited with discipline options because of schools and law enforcement Parents are not allowed, even before COVID, into the classroom setting anymore. What are parents' options? And, and you know, I, I don't know uh, about elementary school these days, but I know when my children were in elementary school, we were definitely allowed to be involved in the class, and we could come to class, bring cupcakes even, you know. But right. these days, is that something parents are even allowed to do anymore? Yeah, that's in some systems they are, and in some systems they we have – in, F, in effect, and that parent is right, we have, in effect, frozen parents out. I would be one to encourage them. One of the things that, that you would see uh, in some schools, they actually have a parent room where parents can come and, and assist. And uh, they, they have to go through a vetting process today, Scott, because, you know, you've got parents that have been arrested and people have various records and, and, and that. And there has to be some way of vetting them. But after that, why aren't we having parents in our schools? You know, and if it's your child, even if you have a police record, I mean, I understand it's your child. I mean, you don't, you haven't lost your parental rights. And so we, we've got to do that. And we have to figure a way to get parents back engaged in our schools or, or be honest with you. We're going to be looking at how we're going to restructure and rebuild public education in Tennessee because uh, it's going to end up destroying itself and falling on its own sword because we've got to have parent involvement and parent engagement in our schools it is paramount to our success and the and you see it across across the state the the super, the successful superintendents that have figured out how to engage with them and so the ones that try to freeze them out and we know best we're going to tell you how to uh, raise your child i mean you know i think it was ronald reagan that said if the government tells you how to raise your child they're lying to you and, and i think that's probably a pretty interesting statement from him now, you have a lot of schools where when you go to pick up a child early, have 
because I think you can still have lunch with your elementary student if you want to, or primary age student, whatever age group they're in, uh, they would scan your license, and it would be as simple as that. Is that not simple anymore? Can you not just scan a parent's license to see if they have, for example, if they're on the sex offender registry? Obviously, that would be the huge red flag not to let them in the school. Makes sense. But is there not something as simple as a, a solution just to scan their license when they come to the school? I think you could do a pre-approval process. The parent would send a form in. We'd like to visit school. Here's my driver's license. Just It should be real simple. And uh, you've, you create it. They're pre-clear. Almost like uh, TSA with uh, uh, at an airport. Yeah. You know, they're pre-cleared. You're, hey, there you go. Hey, you walk in. Hey, this is Mrs. Jones. Here's my driver's license. Sign in. And I uh, would like to visit the thing. Now, the classroom part of it, yes, there's edu- you know, instruction going on. One of the things I used to do when a student would get chronically misbehave, I'd bring their parent in. Yeah. And I've had that happen with a parent sitting in the classroom before. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, they, the, the child quick, quickly understands that, that it's time to behave. <laughs> I bet. Because they don't want mama back. <laughs> Again with us this morning, J.C. Bowman, Executive Director of Professional Educators of Tennessee. If you have a question for him in regards to education, feel free to call or text 615-893-1450. Here's a text that says, I wish more teachers were allowed to reach out and to help follow through with discipline. Uh, And then another text says, children are unappreciative of parents and teachers i think there's a lot to be said about that one correct it it does seem like kids these days they don't appreciate things like they did 15 20 years ago my wife and i talked about that today we were watching uh television and watching the watching uh uh, the uh actually watched a movie from ireland showing how the kids were working in the fields and uh, we thought boy our kids couldn't do that today or our grandkids couldn't (laughs) You know, in, in, in no way am I suggesting that teachers are not of the same quality they were, if not even better today than in the past. I, I think there are obviously a lot of really great teachers out there. Yeah, and Scott, one of the things we did with our Discipline Act policy is that parent, the teachers will now be notified what happens with the discipline. They used to, teachers themselves used to not know. They would send it to the administration. The administration would do something, and the teacher wouldn't know. So now the teacher themselves will be notified what happens to the child so they know that there was some action taken. Secondly, what's interesting in that is they never collected data for the state on that. So we're not able to report back that your school had 25 incidences of bullying or 50 or whatever. So now that data is starting to be collected. It's, gonna, it's supposed to be reported next year. So that that law went into effect this January. Well, you know, when I was younger in school, I I would know if, you know, so-and-so got in trouble, everybody would know they got a paddling. You know, it it was just like public knowledge. And, you know, I think that scared some of the other kids into saying to themselves, well, I don't want to go down that road. I don't want to get a paddling. I don't want to get suspended. Do other students even know what's going on these days with the punishment of another child in the school? No, it's pretty much, it's it's quiet, it's handled, unless the kid comes back and talks. But in general, you go up there, you talk to guidance counselor, you could talk to whomever. And, and, and I'll be honest, there, there's a lot of kids that have come 
through from some very terrible situations in their own life uh parents getting divorced various activity various things that happen uh that they do need to talk to people but that's why we want guidance counselors actually doing guidance work yeah and 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 being able to have somebody to talk to and and so what happens is they don't get anybody to talk to you have to have an adult in your life that cares yeah and uh and it's a lot of children like that 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 end up becoming you know they're going to reach out i I tell people all the time uh, behavior is probably pretty simple it's abc antecedent whatever causes the behavior the behavior good or bad or consequences and consequences can be good or bad and sometimes we focus on just the uh well, we're going to reward Johnny for being good this today. And, you know, I, I had a, a behavioral specialist tell us, well, you know, every time he he has a good day, we're going to give him candy. And I'm like, well, that's like the last thing that we're going to do because, you know, we're not going to single him out to give him candy. That doesn't seem like a, a reward. But but it, but punishment can't always be the uh, – it's the carrot and the stick too. You can't always use the stick as well because at some point the kid decides – you know, bad bad recognition is better than no recognition at all, and so they choose to go down that path, and they they actually enjoy that. Here's another text. It's it's a longer text, so bear with me here. It says, "It seems quality of education across the United States started to decline decades ago. Then the rest followed. We stopped diagramming sentences, tried to reduce cursive writing." And I don't even know if curses is cursive writing even taught anymore. It is to some extent, not as much. It says here reduce subjects to cut budgets, added jobs on teachers like loading school buses, wasting class time to give government mandated tests, lost importance of respecting others, and education has ended in the shambles we see today, possibly the last days of public education. And they go on to say, now it appears vouchers will move public education funds to private or for-profit schools. Follow the money and you'll find the source of the problem. It's also the source of the power. Well, that's a very good uh, message that they sent. I mean, they're right on a lot of things. And uh, I do think that, um, that, that we have lost a lot of uh, traction on that the testing aspect of it you know uh, if you want to see your impact on dollars i mean I, th- I think the tennessean did an article scott talked about i mean there's like 13 lobbyists for public schools i mean and I, I guess that includes me and so what ends up happening is that is at the capitol but there's like 70 something uh lobbyists up there on the other side of the, the uh, trying to get money to go to different programs uh you know in tennessee they're looking at the budget being almost nine billion dollars that's, that brings a lot of people to the table. Uh, a lot of people want a portion of that. We're rich in programs in Tennessee. We create one program after another. We fluctuate from this reading program to that reading program to the next reading program. And we spend millions and millions of dollars to do this. And, and it just gets eaten up rather than putting it back. And I call it blocking and tackling, which is the teacher in the classroom and the student and spending money directly there. And I think a lot of people would like to see it go back to that. And uh, we've gotten real rich in programs. Every time they roll a program out, I'm going, okay, what are they getting rid of? What are they adding on top of it? And who's going to implement it? And people rarely have an answer for that. Again, we're talking about education this morning. And J.C. Bowman, Executive Director of the Professional Educators of Tennessee, is our in-studio guest today. And uh, funding, the issue of funding. You know, Rutherford County is one of the fastest growing school districts in the entire state of Tennessee. 
Nashville right there with it because, as we know, both areas are growing at, at just record paces, really. Um, but the funding, it, we have to have enough funding to build new schools. Then we have to have enough funding to hire new teachers and to retain our current teachers. How do you go about mixing all of that together and basically give one county more money than another county because of the fact that that county has to build new schools on top of hiring new teachers? Yeah, one of the things I think that Rutherford County has done a pretty good job and effective in is that we've been, I mean, Shane Reeves, the senator here, um, I think has been an advocate for this fast growth money that is included in the new funding plan. I'll be honest. I don't think it's enough money. I think that it, the it, it's, it's peanuts on the, on the dollar. I mean, I don't think it's going to be enough money to help you do that. Rutherford County and, and Nashville, as you mentioned, there's another 200,000 people coming in the next 10 years to this area. It's wild. When you look at those statistics and you look at the, I believe it was a report by University of Tennessee where they said Rutherford County is going to have 500,000 residents by at least 2035, if not before. And it's looking like way before then. Yeah. And you're going to continue to grow. And, and what's interesting in that is now Rutherford County, people forget this, is now the fourth, you know, Murfreesboro is now the fourth largest city in Tennessee. It's wild. And, and I think you're going to see the growth between, uh, Rutherford and uh, and Davidson, that that whole area is just going to become a a metro, metropolitan area, and uh, so uh, maybe the Titans will move out closer to Rutherford. <laughs> but you know, I think I think that's right. But how do you build those schools? I mean, you're going to have to do some type of impact fee. That's what other states have done, and you're going to have to figure in like when you build into a subdivision, how do you put that in there? And so uh, you're going to have to do some type of fee like that because property owners are, are overtaxed, particularly in, Ruth, uh, in, in Davidson. I mean, they're looking at that. And, and Davidson's one of the counties that actually is going to lose money in the new funding formula. Well, of course, I remember the Nashville mayor right there at the beginning of COVID announced that property taxes in Nashville were going to increase and they were going to dramatically increase. And that announcement made right there at the start of COVID-19, which, of course, lost him a lot of support right off the bat, which makes sense. But the whole deal with funding and education, it is going to cost more money in the future. I mean, there's no way around it. No. And and so, I mean, again, you're going to go from, I think, the, the amount of money we're going to add. And the talking point that you're going to hear politicians talk, we're adding $1 billion more to education uh, under the new funding plan, the TISA plan that the governor has just unveiled. And so that's a, that's a lot of money. Now, we could debate whether it's enough, and, and we've underfunded education over time, and, and it, there's lots of discussions on that. But at the end of the day, there's going to have to be more money spent. And uh, I tell I tell my liberal friends, uh, you're not going to. It's never going to be enough for you. I tell my conservative friends, it's coming. So on both sides of the aisle, you're going to have to prepare because we're going to need more money for the, for these schools to be built. We got to take another short break, and we only are going to have a few minutes left. But I've got to get to this break real quick here. Time right now, 8:53. You're tuned to WGNS again on this Monday morning, and with us in studio, J.C. Bowman, Executive Director of the Professional Educators of Tennessee. And if you do have a question for us, better text it quickly, 615-893-1450. It's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. 
I am Becky Bookner, and we salute our veterans. From cleaning a single office to industrial complexes, Bystar Building Solutions is your complete janitorial contracting service provider. Go to BystarBuildingSolutions.com for more information and a free quote. Bystar Building Solutions, Middle Tennessee's leading commercial cleaning service. At State Farm, when home and auto work as a team, you score and save money. I'm State Farm Agent Andy Wama. Give me a call at 615-890-0850 and let's work together to win big by saving money on home and auto. With the service you get from State Farm, you might think our car insurance costs more. I'm State Farm Agent Andy Wama. Give me a call at 615-890-0850 and let me show you with discounts up to 40%. You may find it even costs less. Well, I'm Dr. Eugene Cody. I was pastor of First Baptist Church here in Murfreesboro for 30 years. What do you like most about Adam's Place? The treatment I get here is what I need. And we have to know people that can take care of us, and Adam's Place is fit to do that. I'm Terry Deal. Call me for more information about Adam's Place, located at 1927 Memorial Boulevard, across from Walmart. This is Jason with Tire World. Our annual at-cost tire sale is here. Now through Saturday, Tire World will sell all tire brands with no markup, 20% off installation, and give up to $100 on select manufacturer rebates. So, quick recap, no markup on tires, installation discounted, and money back on brands like Michelin, Continental, and more. This sale only happens twice a year, so don't miss out and call us today. Tire World, we keep your family rolling. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. News time, 8.56. We only have about three and a half minutes left. Talking about education this morning with J.C. Bowman, Executive Director of the Professional Educators of Tennessee. And again, it, it, it sounds like discipline is really one of the biggest issues right now, and it's probably driving teachers away from the schools and making them want to retire early or probably making some folks not even want to get into teaching oh yeah no that's exactly right and now you're fortunate here at mtsu which is the largest provider of teachers for the state and so you've got a large and but i will tell you it's not enough and uh, we we need to take multiple avenues to get people into the classroom i mean you're gonna see a lot of second career people scott we need you (laughs) and uh, the truth is we've got to figure out how to get more people into the classroom to teach because they're walking away and, and like i said and they're not coming back and one of the things we have seen a lot of, really since the start of COVID, we heard a lot about it, and that is bringing in professionals from other lines of business who maybe always wanted to teach and had a passion for it, just never did it. So they're actually going and they're becoming teachers and they're getting their 
teaching license through the school system while actually teaching. Yeah, that's a grow your own program that they've created. And, and we're big advocates of that. Uh, but we also think that it's just one bullet in the holster for that. It's not the whole answer to everything. I mean, uh, this this session, there's at least four or five bills that are likely to make it through the General Assembly. Terry Lynn Weaver's carried like three of them uh, to expand how you get people into teaching. Um, and in educate and legislation's really funny, Scott. We had, we had a bill that say you could, if you're a, a administrator in a neighboring state, you could come over, and in Tennessee and teach. But we left out the word vice principal, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't let the vice principal come over. And it was like huh. so now we had this year come back and clean that up, put the word vice principal. We would think you know administration was enough, but we had to specifically identify vice because the state department is a stickler for how they read the law. Are we seeing a problem still with in some districts where they are hiring, you know, it's kind of like that whole good old boy network where, where they are replacing, you know, one principal with another just because of who they know? Is that kind of stuff still occurring? It does, but not to the extent I'm telling you right now, I think they're having a hard time finding principals. I think that's a great, the great wide area right now finding people willing to walk why would you go into administration with even a bigger headache to do that so we're getting a lot of young administrators that are coming in they're finding younger people to come in and do it who lack a lot of the world skills that 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 a seasoned educator may have but seasoned educators like look at least i get to go home at some point turn this off an administrator i mean if if 12 o'clock midnight the fire alarm goes off they're expected to be at that school it's it's a different kind of a job in a different kind of a world today. Let's let's bring this back full circle for you. One thing you mentioned uh, suicide early on. There's a new system that if a kid gets on a computer, uh, and you you provide laptops for that classroom, that the system tells you if they go onto a, a site that says that they might want to take their life or something, it notifies that principal immediately. Wow. So if it's three in the morning, that principal gets a text that says. You know, Johnny went on a bad website, and that that administrator, if they don't take action then, if something happens to Johnny, they could be held accountable for that. That, That's scary. Again, our guest this morning has been J.C. Bowman, Executive Director of the Professional Educators of Tennessee, and we are already out of time. Thank you, Scott, for having me. Thank you for joining us. Coming up next on WGNS Murfreesboro, Ron Jordan will take a look at the latest in local news. 